welcome back or welcome to our our YouTube series, not podcast, YouTube series called Behind the Mask. I'm Chris. And I'm Becca. Awesome. So we have just been in the identity series. We've been chatting all about, you know, your identity in Christ versus your identity as an athlete and in your sport. And kind of a reoccurring theme that we've heard throughout all the conversations is this idea of being a human being and not being a human doing, which more or less is we root our identity in things that we do. And we look to those things to define us rather than actually focusing on who we're becoming. And I know this is something that we talked about in Val's episode or maybe after Val's episode, whenever that was, is when you ask a kid what you, what they want to do when they grow up, you're not, or who they want to be when they grow up, you're really asking them what they want to do. You're not asking them what kind of person they want to be. Um, and that's something that I know, you know, I've struggled with. And I know Becca, we've had this conversation we struggle with too, is how can we continue to root our identity in Christ who informs who we are when this world is telling us what we should be realistically rather than who we should be. So Becca, what are your thoughts on it before we kick this off? Yeah, totally. I think, um, I think the world does that. I think again, that, that question of, Hey, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? Um, but from such a young age, how old, how old are kids when you ask them that? Like, it's just so embedded in our culture. Um, and then I think our culture as athletes, we're so used, it's performing, right? And it, like, do, 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 do. First, when people ask you, oh, like, what do you do? Oh, I play, I'm the starting shortstop for whatever. I'm this, that, I'm a goalie. And it's always, yeah, who I am is what I do. And that's the filter that we see the world through. And I know for myself, that performance mentality, when I see my whole world through that performance mentality, it creates so many other problems. Um, and it's not truth. It's not rooting my identity and where it should be. Um, so I think it's something that's really subsurface. We don't even really think about it that much. Again, going back to that question, it just rolls off our tongue because it's just normal. Um, but when we can sit down and think about it and think about what it means to just be and to own that and separate that from what we're doing, I think that's freedom. And that's what I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's funny that you were just saying you get conditioned from such a young age, pretty much as, as old as you are to walk and talk is when everybody's asking you what you want to be, or everybody's trying to get at this quote unquote potential of, you know, doesn't matter. What, who are your parents? What do your parents do? What are the people around you do and try and get you to live up to whatever the world's definition of success is, which is usually based on a job. And something else that comes to my mind with this concept is when you ask people to identify who they are, it's almost never actual uh, like identifiers. It's usually, I'm an athlete, I'm a student, I'm a daughter, I'm a parent, I'm this, I'm that, which are all things that you do and are all roles that you play. They're not necessarily who you are to your core as a human being. So it's interesting, but uh, Bex, I don't want to ask you. So what are some things, you know, as even growing up as a believer, not as a believer, um, if you were to fill in the blank statement of I am this what would you say um probably yeah so first i would say i'm an athlete i'm a softball player 
Um, and then even taking that a step further, like somebody asks you, well, like, what, what position do you play? And then you say, I'm a power hitter or I'm, I'm super fat. Like, yeah, you always add that adjective in there. Um, so yeah, that would be the number one. I'm a softball player. I'm a power hitter and I'm strong. Um, yeah. And I would say I'm a good friend. I'm a daughter. I'm everything was, I added the extra, I identified with it because I felt good about it, you know? And I, if I was, if I felt like a lousy friend, I wasn't going to use that to describe myself. But if I was a good friend, I took that and I owned that. And I was like, yes, this is who I am. I'm a good friend. I'm a good athlete. I'm strong. And then it becomes, you know, in my ability, these, all these things empower me to do something productive. And that's where, for me, that's where the roots were. It was, do I do this well? Okay, let me grab that label. That makes me feel good. And other people like that too. That's helpful to other people. And I have this people-pleasing struggle as well throughout growing up. So that added to it too. If people liked it, if it made me feel good, if it was beneficial to other people, and I felt like it was productive, then yeah, let me own that. Let me label myself with that. Uh yeah, no, I think it's really interesting of exactly what you were saying is that goes back to that performative mindset of if you're doing it well, yes, that's exactly who I am. And you're saying, you know, you're a softball player, you're a power hitter. I know I'm a goalkeeper, right? And that's an identity in and out of itself. We always say, you know, there's goalkeepers, there's field players. Like we mix, but we're very different. Um, so it's interesting how we choose to quote unquote um, – make things that are desirable our identity and then throw away things that are not desirable when the reality, but the reality is exactly what you're saying is a lot of those things are descriptive. They're not necessarily, they're not the noun, right? We put an adjective where it should be a noun. People want to talk about grammar. I might be completely screwing that up, but it's okay. So I think before we even go further, um, even into this conversation, let's throw in scripture references. What do we think? Yeah, so the scripture that I always come back to, and this is interesting. So it's 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I think that's an interesting choice because so that you may act, so that you may declare. So that's an action. And we're talking about not rooting our identities in actions. But looking at this, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. And he chose you. It wasn't anything you did. He just chose you. You weren't good. You weren't strong. You weren't powerful. You weren't this, that, or the other thing. He literally just picked you and chose you out of grace, not by anything that you did. And I think that. When a mentor shared that with me, like that stopped me in my tracks. Cause I was like, in Christ, I am all these things, but it has nothing to do with what I did. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. And, and the one I was going to share kind of reinforces um, what you were just saying. And it's Romans 10, 10, 
which says, for it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God, and then it's by openly declaring your faith that you were saved. And kind of something that even fits with this is John 6, 63, which Jesus is really savage in this moment, and I love it um, when he says this. And this, like, backdrop is he's um, using the metaphor of him being the bread of life, right? And right before this, we hear him talking about his living water. And the disciples and the Pharisees still don't get it. And you can just sense the frustration in Jesus' voice. Um, But he literally starts it by saying, you know, stop complaining, first of all. And then does this offend you? And in 63, it says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. So like similar to what you're saying is there's nothing we can do to earn it. Absolutely nothing. It's, it's a, this is a gift that we get. Um, And it's very counter to what we think as human beings, because we think, okay, we have to do everything. And then we just deserve something right? Because we did everything. But God throws that whole notion out the window because it's like the reality is we deserve death, right? Wages of sin is death. But we get eternal life through Christ Jesus. Um, So yeah, when we talk about being a human being, right? The only action, actionable things that God really wants us from a foundational level is to believe in Jesus Christ, period, right? Not to do this, 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 and this, and then you get salvation. So it's interesting because it puts all of that back in the perspective of what is our first action in the first place, right? But at the end of the day, the relationship comes first and who we are that's rooted in Christ is what's going to dictate that action rather than the other way around. So, yeah. And it reminds me of that scripture, like in his love, he will no longer condemn you, but will rejoice over you with singing like literally just our being our existing makes him sing over us and he's so pleased with that and that just like baffles my mind again as someone who's so performance driven i'm like i do nothing for you god so like why do you why you know it's wild it's so countercultural it's so counterintuitive yeah, no, it's crazy. And it, I think that's what makes this concept of grace that much more difficult to get. Or it's not difficult to understand when you actually understand what the gospel is, but it's difficult to like come to grips with because we as human beings really, really want to do something to earn something. That's, that's, we're hardwired to want to work. And this kind of gets to our striding versus striding, striding versus striving thing of we really, really want to be doing something. Right? We idolize busyness, right? We always want to have a task. Um, but in this case, God's like, no, no, no. I need you to rest, which doesn't mean do do nothing. It means be still and know that I am God, not you, me, right? Um, and then at the end of the day, you get something that I'm willingly uh, giving you. But we almost would rather say, oh, no, 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 God, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because I, I don't deserve it and I need to find a way to earn it. And God's like, no, 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 you can't do that kind of deal. So it's really, it's, it's a wild concept. And isn't it interesting how we twist, like we twist that. So like you were saying, like, we're not deserving. True. Facts. But like, we take that a step further and we're like, well, like, okay, so what can I do? So what, like, 
How can I make this better? How can I make it myself worthy? How can I make myself look good? You know, and I think your point of we want, we're hardwired to work and we're hardwired to chase. And I think that's really important. But again, in our flesh, in our physicality, we chase after all the wrong things. And I think something, there's something so powerful of God saying, no, I'm literally calling you to just be, open yourself up to my love, to my grace, and let me fill you in total simplicity and put these dreams, put these purposes, my purposes in your heart, and then go chase them, then go do them, then go run after them. But in running after them, you're really running after him. Yeah. It's it's funny. I don't remember what song it is, but what's playing over and over in my head is the, the, the stanza goes, your goodness is running after it's running after me. I can't remember the song. So whoever our viewers are posted in the posted in the comments, but yeah, in the comments, but Becca follow up questions to that. Why, what do you think? um, So how does that flip this identity, this idea of religion versus relationship on its head? Right. So what do you think? Um, trying to be good enough. And I, I feel like a lot of times we take the truth of the gospel, the simplicity of the relationship with Christ and the relationship that he wants with us and knowing that he came to fulfill the law, but we, in our in our, I don't know, somehow we miss that part. We forget that part. So we're still trying to fulfill the law. And he's like, hello, a relationship with me does that. You know? And I think this, something that I always got caught up with as an athlete and as a captain and as a Christian and one of the only Christians on my team I got to be this great Christian. I got to be this great captain. I got to always have it together. I got to perform all the time, which stopped me from performing, by the way. And it's just, yeah, it just gets, we run ourselves ragged. And in reality, God's like, I literally came to stop this madness so that you could seriously, you could just rest in me and you could rest in the beauty of me just rejoicing over you, not because of anything that you do, but because I created you. And I'm so, I think it's, again, bringing in another scripture and not to go off on a tangent, but when Jesus first got baptized and the Lord's like, here's my son with whom I am well pleased. His ministry hadn't started yet. He hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't like, but here's my son who I am so well pleased. And that's, I think such a picture of what the Lord does when he looks at us. He's like, Oh yeah, that's my kid. I love her so much. I love him so much. Not because he does anything, but I created him and I put things inside of him and I'm just, I just rejoice over him. I sing over him for his very existence. Yeah, no, it's really good. I mean, and I'm even thinking, you know, Jesus just finishes doing all these miracles, right? He fed the 5,000 and he fed the 4,000 and he did this and he did that. And he walked on water and did things. Um, and he's about to, you know, enter into Jerusalem. Everybody's like, 
hey, are you going to, like, feed us too? And he's like, bro. Like, I, that's not what Jesus speaks, I feel like, but in my mind, that's what he, he sounds like. I appreciate but, that. <laughs> it, like, he definitely would have been like, bro, really? But it's interesting, like, when Jesus always says, he's like, he, I'm not a magician or a genie in the bottle. Like, people follow Jesus for who he is and how he lived, not what he did, right? That might have garnered, like, an initial curiosity about, oh, who's this man? But at the end of the day, people follow Jesus and reason why you know, we have this relationship with Jesus is because of how he lived and his core of his character, not what he can do for us. Um, which I think is also like a countercultural thing, right? And even something that separates us from some other religious systems is, you know, it's not about doing to earn. It's you, you get it despite you. Um, and even with athletes uh, and people that know like, okay, cool. I need to make sure I'm fit. I need to make sure I'm technically sound. I need to have some semblance semblance of intelligence on the field, court, whatever your area of play is, um, so that my coach doesn't yell at me. Like, I need to do something. And then that will merit playing time, right? But that's counter to the gospel because that's not how it works. And it can be, at times, a hard pill to swallow because now, even when we're in, in, a, in a valley, we're like, what do I do? God, like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, return to me okay so to your point about being the only christian on your team where do you how do you think that we feel this pressure to be almost perfectionist as christians right we understand perfectionist perfectionism in athletics because it's like that's that's literally all athletics is um but that can definitely bleed into our walk as christians so what do you think becca how have you seen that or how have you experienced that I think for me, I think it can be different for everybody. Um, I think for me, I wanted to, I felt like because I was a believer and people knew I was a believer um, and I was in a position of leadership on my team, I had to have all the answers and I had to have it together because in college, nobody has it together. Everybody's freaking out, trying to figure out how to do life. So in my mind, I was like, okay, like, I have to have it all together to be a good, good representative of Christ so that, cause people will want that. People will want to be put together and have all the answers and never struggle. And then I'll be a good representation. And then people will want to know this Jesus. So not what happened. Like, first of all, I don't have it all together. I will never have it all together. And I'm only fooling myself when I try to, because everybody else sees, to sees through it. But I found that when I finally let that guard down and gave that up was when people were actually like, okay, what is the difference? You know, because, and I think, I think I mentioned this in our first episode, I had a mentor tell me one time, the more when you pretend that you're perfect and you fake it, people look at you and then they look at your relationship with Christ and they're like, wow, I could never have that because I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But if I'm faking it, if I'm never letting people in, if I'm never being authentic, people are like, okay, like I can't achieve that and I'm not good enough for that God. And that's the polar opposite example of what the gospel actually is. 
but when we can actually be real and admit to our brokenness and admit to our struggle, we can then go identify with other people and meet them where they're at and share in kind of share in that brokenness and in that mess. And then that's when I feel like, like through our brokenness is where the light of the gospel gets in and what really gives us a platform. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's a really good distinction to make that people don't relate to us because of the areas of our life that are quote unquote perfect on the surface, right? People relate to us in the areas of our life that are broken. And then they see Jesus by how we walk through the muck while still having our eyes fixed on him. So yeah, I think it's really good of um, trying to navigate perfectionism and realizing that, yeah, God's standard, God is perfect, but, you know, and he obviously holds us to that standard. But the reality is we're not set up for failure because we have Jesus. But I think it's really good of, um, we can fall into this cycle of, you know, and I agree with you. I've definitely been that the person that everybody knows is a believer. So you have to have your whole life together. You have to have all the answers. You can't freak out in a game at a ref, which I'm guilty of too much. Anyway, it's fine. Um, you, you only listen to Jesus jams. You never curse. You never do this, you never do that, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Laundry list of things that everybody puts you in a mold of, um, But then you have conversations of, and I've had people, even when we're trying to have FCA small groups and say, I'm not good enough to be there. And that's where, if we, like exactly what you're saying, if we walk around acting like we're perfect, then number one, that's counter to what the actual gospel is, right? Because God doesn't call the, the, the equipped, right? He equips the called. So it's counter to what the actual gospel was. But it's also, we do other people a disservice. We are a stumbling block for other people because we're saying, we're essentially saying, you have to be perfect to fit the mold. And that's not what Jesus has called us to do or to be. Um, And the other thing that that kind of popped in my head, and I may or may not have said this on another YouTube series, but this spoken word thing video I listened to years ago that cut me deep is, and he has one stanza in this whole 10 minute video where it says, Does anybody know that you're a Christian by your actions or does everybody think that you're a Christian because you're acting? And it's like crazy, but it fits to what you're saying of how many of us just act or just act, right? We're like, yeah, I go to church or I watch church in this case. Yeah, I'm I'm in my word, quote unquote, which really just means I open the Bible up so I get that streak, right? Yeah, I go to huddle. Um, Yeah, I'll listen to whatever but are we actually living that out or are we actually being intentional about getting even deeper in this relationship with Jesus? So it's, it's tough. Long story short to, to cut a tangent short. Um, we, it's about authenticity, not, not acting to try and seem like we have to be perfect. Yeah. Totally. And I think, I think I would be lying if I said, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm the most authentic person in the world. Like, Absolutely not. Like that, I am constantly trying to be like, I'm fine. Everything's great. I'm constantly putting the mask on. And like the mentors and the people in my life who do know me, who are, you know, they're like, no, you're not. Just, just stop. And again, when we can, when we can be real about the struggle, 
you know, it, it opens the door to, cause nobody want, nobody wants to be real about their struggle with somebody who's never been real themselves. They won't feel heard. They won't feel understood. They, you know, they'll feel like they're looked down on, you know? And I think, I think that's so powerful when, when God uses broken, we're all broken, you know? So when God uses broken people to meet broken people and we're just, we're an instrument and it takes a humility and an authenticity and to also present that brokenness before the Lord, you know, and be like, I, yeah, I can't just be this doer all the time and just be okay with that. I'm just going to be before the Lord. I'm just going to present myself before him in all my forms, in all my brokenness and all my struggles and all my shortcomings and just present that before the Lord. And I picture someone who's like, it's like not a lot, but like, here it is. And he's like, no, it's perfect. That's all I wanted. And now I'm going to equip you. And now I'm going to go send you out in your humility, empowered by me, not faking it by yourself. Yeah, no, it's tough. Like getting people that are going to cut through the mask and hold you accountable. I know my friend Simone is somebody that, um, and some other people, but mainly Simone that'll, that she knows me well enough to say, hey, how are you? Am I, again, like you were saying, my knee-jerk reactions, fine, chilling. Usually I'm saying I'm chilling. I'm cool, whatever. And she's like, no, but like, how are you? Um, and so it's funny, like when you want to get around or get with community of people that are committed to you being uh, rooted in Christ, right? They're always pointing you in that direction. Um, but they also are not enabling your ability, your your willingness to want to just be perfect all the time. Um, and I think it's funny, like you were talking about, bring even your brokenness, fall on your face in front of Jesus and just ball. Why not? We'll even not share certain things with God because we're like, either we think somebody else has it worse, right? I know for myself, I do that all the time. I'm like, God, you don't need to hear about this because somebody else has it worse. Um, or we're, we're like, man, this is just, this is too tough. Like there's no way God will look at me and still love me if I bring this to him. Um, but it's interesting because he knows it anyway. He just wants us to go to him so he can embrace us and restore us and use us even through that brokenness. So follow up question for, for you, Becca. So what do you think are some like tangible things people can do to, uh, return that mindset of let's be a human being that's rooted in Christ and doing the work and living life with him versus being a human doing that wants to do things for him. What do you think? The one, th the number one thing that comes to my mind, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on different tangible things too, but the thing right now that's coming to my mind because I'm working on it in my own life, um, is this idea of community. And when we understand Christ's love for us, that was totally undeserved and totally, because we live in a culture and it's like, scratch your back. You scratch, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And you know what I'm talking about. So, hey, you do for me, I'll do for you. Hey, this, this relationship's not 50-50 anymore, I'm out cancel culture. You're done. You said something that offended me. Like, and 
I think that that hurts us with the truth of the gospel too and the truth of Christian community. When in reality, if when we understand that Christ loved us for nothing that we ever did for him, we when we can understand that and grasp that, that's when we can go and love others with that love. And that's been something that's been so healing for me in this whole trying to perform all the time is having people in Christian community, mentors, friends, whoever it may be, who is loving me for simply being in my ugliest, hardest, stubborn forms. And they're just loving me so well. And I scratched my head and I literally had a conversation with somebody the other day. I was like, why? Why? And she's like, I can't, I can't just love you for you and not what you do. And I was like, oh, that's just counter cultural and counterintuitive because we're performers. Um, but I think when that's mod like when that's modeled for us by people who are living that out, it gives us such a tangible picture, an incomplete, but a tangible picture of Christ's love for us. And I think there's a lot of power and a lot of healing in that. Yeah. No, I think it's really good of, you know, you're talking about transactional relationships, right? That's what I'm hearing you say. And exactly what you're saying. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. If you can't do that, we're done. I'm over you. Like canceled. I'm off you. Um, And we do that all the time. And what I always think, and you put it in perspective, if we had a transactional relationship with God, we'd all be out of luck because there's nothing we can do to atone for the gift that he's given us. Absolutely nothing. We try and do all these things, but we can't, there's nothing we can do. Um, well, I, and similar to what you're saying before of, you know, I'm guilty of doing that too. Like, and we talked about this before being the ultimate best friend to do everything for everybody and you neglect yourself. And I know for myself, I get guilty. Uh, I'm guilty of that, of, I want to love on this person as much as possible, despite whatever it is that they would have done in the past to me or otherwise. But I get uncomfortable if that's if they reciprocate that with me, which is super ridiculous, but it's interesting. Um, We can have another random psychotherapy conversation about why (laughs) I feel anyway, I'll hop off that tangent, but give you guys another tangible thing. Um, if we get two psychologists on the call talking about this, we'll be on for another three hours. But, um, yeah, so, but I think it's, it's similar to community, to what your community point is, uh, but with a slight twist, I think another thing that we can do to really stay rooted in who we are is, and this sounds so simple, is get in the word and continue to reaffirm who God has called you to be and who he says we are, right? Get in Ephesians 2 and read it over and over and over again. Um, Because like I can, you know, we all can say it a million times. I know as until it wasn't until I went to college and really got serious and real with God about being in this relationship with him. Before that, everybody knew me as the athlete. Even now, some people that um, when I come back home, they're like, oh yeah, Chris, the athlete, soccer player, basketball player, whatever. Um, But I got pushed into this community of people that they don't know me, right? Because the season hadn't started yet. Nothing has started. So they have no idea what I'm going to contribute, but they just love me for me. Um, 
And one of those things is constantly reaffirming who God says we are, right? Not the athlete, not the whatever role we decide to fill in that blank with. It's no, you're called, you're chosen, you're loved, you're worth it, you're this, you're that, you're the third. It goes on and on and on. Um, And also like with your community point, getting around people that are going to reaffirm that too, right? They're not going to treat you any differently based off of what you can give them. It's just because God loved you, loves you, so I love you too, period. Kind of Um, So, Becca, with that, you know, we've kind of been chatting all about, you know, uh, where, where this starts. And it starts even from kids, right? So this is like a slight PSA. Parents, stop asking your kids what they want to be when they grow up. Also, stop asking your college graduate what they want to do next. We don't know. We're trying to figure it out. (laughs) Anyway, off that soapbox. Um, But yeah, we've been chatting all about that, right? We're human beings. We're not human doings. We're created to work, right? God wants us to work, but he wants us to work with him, not necessarily for him. Um, So Becca, what are some takeaways, something you, words of encouragement you want to give to anybody struggling with this? Yeah. Um, Just going back to your point really quick of God wants us to work with him, not necessarily for him. I think there's a, I think there's an important distinction too of we offer ourselves as living sacrifices up to the Lord. So I'm, you know, I'm offering my talents up to the Lord for the Lord, but the difference in working for him in that way and working for him in, I have to do this. I have to be good enough. I have to, you know, I, I have to achieve in order to earn this from the Lord is I think such an important distinction um, that I just thought about when you made that point. And when in reality, God's like, not like, I just want to do life with you. I want to be in this relationship with you. Um, so yeah, not to be a dead horse because I think that's an, a major takeaway. Um, and yeah, just, saturating ourselves in the truth um because we're constantly getting input and we're constantly living in a world whether you're an athlete or not we're living in this world of productivity and you get a job promotion when you perform you get a starting position when you perform you get this role or that role when you perform when you level up when you're better than everyone else and if we're not saturated, and that's how the world turns, and if we're not saturating ourselves in the truth of who we are because of who God is and who he says we are, we're just, I think, I know for myself, I just continue on that hamster wheel until it exhausts me. And then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? But if daily we're in community, we're saturating ourselves with the truth, the truth can't set us free if we don't know it. So mic drop right there. <laughs> when we're filling our hearts and our minds with that big T truth, then that's when we can be set free. We can live in this world, but we can't, we don't, we no longer live by those standards because we're set free of that because we know the truth. Yeah. Drop the absolute truth bomb and Big T truth. Let's go. Yeah, we can't, man, that is crazy. 
we can't live by the truth if we don't know the truth that's really good um yeah i'm trying to i can't find the scripture reference for the, for the life of me i'll just post it later when i find it but um over and over again right kind of speaking to your point of why this is really what we're asking why do we do what we do um and kind of all the way back to our audience of one conversation with becca and azure of if our mentality is we are doing for god right to the glory of god not for us right now we're, we're more inclined to let's get back to our source right if god is who i'm doing things for i need to get back. it's just like if you were going to do stuff for your coach you can't not talk to your coach because you need to know what they want from you right if i want to work for the glory of god i need to get rooted in that relationship with god so i can figure out what he wants from me right and it starts with, hey, sit in community and in my presence. And then let's go from there, right? Let that be the starting point. And not only, not only what, he, what does he want from me, but who am I? You know, going back to your analogy with the coach, coach sees your skills, coach sees what you're good at, coach sees your strengths and all. Like, you got to be talking to your coach, hey, coach, you know, what should I be doing? What should I be and honing in on? And the coach can say, hey, you're really gifted at this. Mm-hmm. And when we come before the Lord and we're like, God, who am I? And he says, hey, I put this inside of you. I gave you this fire in your gut. I gave you that gifting. And that's what I want you to use. That's what I want you to cultivate for me. But again, if we're not asking those questions, if we're not in that conversation, in that relationships, how do we know? We just spin our wheels. Right. Yeah, no. And I found what I was was referencing before. It's in First Corinthians 8, 6, when it's like, um, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from from whom all things came for came and for whom we live. Um, and there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Right? It always points back to your why, which is Jesus, which informs your who, which is a child of God which will also inform your what, which is what he's called you to do and how you're going to impact this world for his glory again. Um, So yeah, long story short, you guys, embrace Jesus, get in that relationship with him. That'll inform everything, right? So, but start there rather than let's look to all kinds of things from the world to define me or to define you because the reality is those things change. So awesome. Yep, go ahead. And who wouldn't want to walk in what they're hardwired to do? You know? Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time trying to find our purpose. Everybody's like, what am I called? What am I? Even if you're not a believer, everybody's like, what is my purpose? Right? Because we are, we are literally designed to, to want to know what that is. Right? And we know the answer. Let's look to God. He'll tell you who you are. Right? And he'll tell you how you're going to go about doing what he's called you to do. Um, so yeah, just constantly going back to that, returning back to the well. I'm not going to mix metaphors and go on a tangent about that, but returning back to that, right? Who has God called us to be? Who is, has he created us to be? And then let's walk in the fullness of what that is, of who that is. Awesome. I'm fired up and there's a lot of things that we kind of are talking about in our discipleship series that I don't want to get into and spoil it for everybody. But Yeah. No, I get really fired up when we have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, yeah, you guys, if 
you like what you heard, you continue to like what you are hearing, hit the red subscribe button at the bottom, click the like button. Don't miss out on any videos at all. Follow us on Instagram at behind the mask 3132. Hit myself up, hit Becca up. Again, we're a resource for you guys. We're here to answer any questions at all um, or laugh at funny Christian memes. I've been getting a lot of those from Carrie. Anyway. Yeah, wow, Carrie. Thank you. That's scary. But yeah, you guys, until next time, like Becca said before, you can't, what, what did you say? You can't walk in truth if you don't know the truth. Big you, the truth can't set you free if you don't know what the truth is. Boom. Big T truth, everybody. Until next time, we'll catch you guys later. Deuces.